2: What is up, everybody? Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot, in the house for the latest episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. I've been meaning to to reach out to our guest today uh, for a while. Um, He has uh, been on the national scene for a while, um, took a job at Sports Illustrated uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, I found out the great news at the Combine, and I want to get you on the show, you know, pick your brain a little bit. Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated. What is up, my friend?
1: What's going on, dude? Good to see you. Good to see you,
2: and let me just give you the, the shout. Congratulations on the new gig. Uh, it seems like you've settled in nicely.
1: How have things been going? Good. They haven't fired me yet, so that's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been able to fool them for a few months, uh, but no, it's been, it's been great. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thank God the Aaron Rodgers deal is done and behind us. The mock drafts are behind me. It's a beautiful time. But you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, got to write a, a daily cover story, which I enjoyed. So it's been it's been good. It's been good. I, I can't say enough good things about SI. That's awesome. Uh, Ryan, you were on the shelf here for about
2: 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. You texted me this morning when we were putting this show together. And we didn't know if you were going to be able to come on. You texted me a few minutes ago. It's the day before the draft. I knew you were going to miss it. You're like, put me in, coach. Let, let's go. Let's go.
0: Like the Jordan flu game. You know, I, I said – my, I threw up my back yesterday. I couldn't barely move this morning. Uh, I got up at like four in the morning trying to make, you know, do stretches and things wasn't working, wasn't happening, but feeling a lot better now, a lot of rest on it. So uh, happy to be here. Happy that it's almost draft night and uh, can't wait to talk about some Bill's draft talk.
2: Shout out to Josh Price in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like, subscribe to the show as well. It says love the content boys. Uh, keep it up. We'll have you We'll covered all throughout draft weekend here. This is the first of probably – What, Ryan, maybe three or four more shows that we'll do over the next couple of days. And we're going to set the table a little bit here today with Matt. But before we get to the draft, I want to talk about one of the trades that could happen this week. You know, one of the players that everybody's kind of been talking about, the teams that are in the mix. Obviously, um, uh, sources apparently on the Pat McAfee show uh, from uh, Pac-Man Jones are saying that the Bills and Chiefs might be in the mix. And this is something that, I mean, Von Miller has been talking about it. All week doing a lot of media and the fact even today with Kay Adams said that there's obviously been conversations and there always are with the Bills. I mean, Brandon Bean even said it, like when a guy's available, uh, a talented player, he's going to do his due diligence. I think it comes down to the the details of what this deal ultimately looks like. Matt, what are you hearing on the DeAndre Hopkins front and how much do the Chiefs and the Bills specifically make sense for this player?
1: He is a player who, if he's healthy and he plays you know, 16, 17 games, I mean, he's a guy who absolutely is capable, even at his age 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, and, and being a Pro Bowl level player who could even threaten for an all pro team. That all said, there's a reason he's still on the Cardinals right now. And it's mm-hmm. because his salary is $19 million. And that's a really hard number to fit under the cap for really good teams because those teams already have other cap obligations. I mean, if you look, right now using over the caps is a great website in terms of cap space. The bills and the chiefs are right toward the bottom. The bills have 4.2. The chiefs have 3.87 and those numbers are smaller than 19. So (laughs) you've got to figure out if Hopkins wants to go there, he's indicated that he does publicly to both of those teams. Then how do you get that number to go down? Do you incentivize him by putting more guaranteed money into year two do you extend the contract a year and smooth out the money? You can do those things, but then you run the risk of also paying a guy if he's not productive into years two and three of a contract that maybe you don't want to be locked into. So I think you know a lot of people in the league are thinking at some point Arizona might just have to cut bait here, and then he becomes a free agent. Now, if that happens, then, then all bets are off because then, then obviously you can kind of work the contract however you want. I think he's a fit. For Buffalo and for Kansas City and for about 12 other teams in the league. The question's just can you work it into your cap and how willing is DeAndre Hopkins to take a contract that you can you can massage into a, a, a very full pie already with big quarterback deals, big deals along the offensive lines on the defense, so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as a follow-up to that, do you feel like DeAndre Hopkins still has enough in the tank to be productive? For let's just say, like you said, they extend the contract out uh, three, four years, or is this a, a game where the Bills would be playing? It'd be a little bit dangerous for the Bills. You know, they they sit at pick number twenty-seven. We, we've talked about this wide receiver draft class; it's not particularly strong. And what what are the benefits, I guess, to either sticking at twenty-seven and going with a wide receiver and hoping that they can develop into a game changer? versus going with Hopkins and maybe extending that co- contract out two extra years
1: so it's a good question what the reality is his last two seasons whether it be injury or suspension related he's played a total of 19 games over the last two years and he's been pretty productive like last year he played nine games at 717 yards they only three touchdowns but that Cardinals team was atrocious and they didn't have their quarterback for a lot of those games he played in so there's you know Trace McSorley stuff like that. I mean, he's still he can produce. But he's over over that that magical threshold of 30 and if I'm a team that has big cap hits going forward and most good teams do, I don't want to pay him guaranteed money when he's 32, 33 years old. I I don't want to take that risk and for the Bills specifically, I think a lot of the Hopkins stuff Ties back to Gabe Davis, who's got one year left on his deal. What are you doing with Gabe Davis? If you're Brandon Bean, you're paying him, you're going to let him walk. You're going to move him at some point here. You're going to tag him. I mean, what? Because if you're going to keep him, then I don't think Hopkins makes any sense. I I just don't. At that point, then you're paying Davis and Diggs. You're also paying Knox, right? Like, you're obviously paying out, and you have to. Now, if you're letting him walk after this year, then, okay, then I, I get it a little bit more, although now you are very expensive at receiver, and that's where this gets complicated. You've got to allocate resources all over the place. I think for Buffalo, it makes a lot of sense to do it this year if you can get the right number. But if you've got to start going at the big cap hits two, three years down the road to make this work, that's where I would I would back off. I just think it gets a little too messy for a team that has a lot of other obligations it's got to pay out over the, the course of that time.
2: So, according to just a little bit of uh, you know, what this might look like here, uh, if, if the Bills or any team trades for him, Mike Genetti from SpotTrack.com put out uh, an analysis on this uh, in March last month, about a month ago actually. the The Arizona Cardinals can do a full cap conversion, uh, add three vo- void years to the deal, and that would lower his 2023 cap hit from 19.4 million to 4.8 million. So, I think that that's. Palpable. That's something you could probably work around. Bills right. might have to do another restructure or two, and then that ups the 2024 salary cap probably uh, quite a bit. It's at 14.9 million right now. Yep. It probably goes up a little bit, but there's also levers that Brandon Bean can pull. I'm curious. You, you've added the fact that this makes sense for the Bills and 12 other other teams. I'm curious if you could elaborate on that because I look at the two players and I went back and watched specifically 2022 Hopkins. The last couple of days in preparation for a potential deal, if it ends up materializing and it feels to me, you watch Hopkins and obviously they're different types of players, him and Stefan Diggs, but where they operate in the field and how they win feels very similar. They're very sudden with the way that they get open. They're really elite in that intermediate area. Their a dot is almost. Exactly alike, like over the last couple of years, and I'm wondering. You're talking about two absolute target monsters, and then you figure Gabe Davis, and and maybe he's involved in the deal, and then you let another team pay him, or you let the Cardinals pay whatever that looks like. I don't know how that works, but how does he technically fit with the Bills?
1: So you're right. I think it's a really good point, Matt. I mean, honestly, they are very similar players in terms of how they operate, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna want those guys to be working intermediate to deep, you know, every once in a while, sure, you, you'll go short. But I think, you know, Buffalo's got that underneath guy at Knox. Can, they can swing the ball out. The, the, the question, again, and I, I brought up earlier, but I really do think it's tied to Gabe Davis in a lot of ways. Like If you're going to pay Gabe Davis and pay Gabe Davis, then just keep him. Mm-hmm. The question, and, and you guys know and all your listeners know even, even better than I, Gabe Davis is inconsistent. He has games where he's a monster. And you watch the game go, my God, that guy could be an all-pro. Then, then he'll go away for two three weeks when nothing happens and he's putting up 30-yard you know, games, 20-yard games, and then he has 150. I mean, I always think back to that playoff game in Kansas City where he looked like Jerry Rice in that game, and, mm-hmm. and yet you know everybody's like, here comes the breakout. Now, the question is, Brandon Bean, Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen, like, what do they think going forward? What do, they, do they think he's going to continue to become more than he is? Because if the answer to that question is yes, then I think you just pay Gabe Davis. But if you don't think that's the case, if you think, look, this is who he is, he's a good player, he's not a great player, he's maybe going to be inconsistent throughout, then I think you probably move him to try to get another pick or or, or two, depending on, on the package, and then you use that capital to either go get Hopkins or to eventually replace Hopkins in a few years, you know, when, when inevitably you move on there. I do think... That Hopkins would be a fit for Buffalo. I think he's a fit for Kansas City. I think he's a fit. I said this a week ago on some radio spot for the Giants. The Giants make all the sense in the Mm. world.
0: The Giants might make the most
1: sense. sense. They pay Daniel Jones 40 million a year. Like you better have him thrown to somebody. Because if you don't, that that's gonna look even worse than it already does, right? I mean, there's a lot of teams. You know, I would have said Dallas, but of course Dallas already made its move with Brandon Cooks. There's there's so you know, I'll give you another team. What about Detroit? Now that, now that you got Jameson Williams suspended the first six games of the year, they have real expectations for the first time forever. You got Amon Ross, St. Brown. Would you go after Hopkins for a year? Would you try to make that work? Elevate Jared Goff? I mean, there's a team you look at. Go, okay. You know, there are so many teams out there that you could look at. And go, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that fit makes sense. I get why a team would do that. I mean, would the Ravens still do it? I don't think so. I think they're out of it after Beckham. But there's been reports that Lamar wants him there, and he wants Beckham. Take that for what you will. But there's there's a lot of teams with needs. How do you fit them into your cap? And how comfortable are you with the idea? In the Bills' case specifically, of essentially knowing that that means moving on from Gabe Davis. Yeah, no, that's a
0: great point. So this offseason, Matt, the the Bills went out. They added some guards to their to their lineup. Uh, They added Taylor Rapp. Uh, as their no- number three safety they they made some value moves at wide receiver as well but heading into the draft what in your opinion what, what's that big picture view of the bills roster uh in, in terms of did they get better this offseason did they stay the same did they get worse
1: i think they about stayed the same i mean i know they lost Edmonds, and he's and he's an excellent player but they still have milano at the second level they've got some young guys i i think they'll be okay um, and if you look around the AFC, really, that's kind of the story of the big AFC heavyweights this offseason. Like, every team lost a piece or two, but nothing that I think is going to be so drastic that all of a sudden they sink. I mean, the Bengals lost their starting safeties. The Chiefs lost Orlando Brown. They replaced him with John Taylor. They lost Juju smith schuster so they haven't replaced him yet. That'll probably be coming here in the next few days. But I don't think any of those losses for any of those teams, all of a sudden these teams are going to go 9-8. and eight. Like, I just – I don't see that as a reality. The, look, when you have the quarterback that Buffalo does – you're still going to be a really, really good team. I'm most interested, frankly, in what happens with the defense now that, that you're switching up to coaching. Right? I mean, McDermott's going to be much more involved. And it's a weird thing because during the season, Leslie Frazier, really good. and the playoffs, it's been a mess the last handful of years. Now, how much do they change? How much do they adjust? What does Ken Dorsey look like on offense in his second year? But to the point of the roster, when I look at the Bills, I, again, to go to another guy with one year left on his deal, Ed Oliver. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Going to pay him? Is he a stud? Is he a guy? You got to figure that out because I, I could see them going D tackle in this draft. There are going to be some guys you would think around 27 that the Bills would, would be able to go after and make a lot of sense. If they don't get Hopkins, receiver makes a lot of sense, especially with the question around Gabe Davis. I, I mean, I look at those two areas and say, okay, those are probably the two spots that I would, I would think Make the most sense for a first-round pick. I mean, the Bills are very good. They don't have a ton of issues on the roster. You know, if there's an edge guy that slips to them that they just really love, would they do that? Would they say, you know what, we'll have a rotation here until you know until Von Miller ages out and is gone? Like maybe you do that if a guy like a Lucas Van Ness falls or or a Miles Murphy falls. So I think there's options, but I look at D tackle and receiver as the two spots that I I have kind of zeroed in on for the Bills.
2: There's been so much talk this offseason a lot on, on our show about just the perception that addressing defensive needs high in the draft doesn't make a lot of sense, especially watching what happened in the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you have two teams that going into that game were playing some of the best defense in football for the for throughout the playoffs and the Chiefs and the and the Eagles. You get to the big game and it doesn't even matter. I mean, those you, you have an elite quarterback and they're gonna find a way to make plays against even the best of defenses. So I guess, like, how much do teams need to, you know, pay attention to that and then strategize their picks around that? I'm trying to think back. Who did the Chiefs take in the first round last year?
1: Yeah, uh, Trent, Trent McDuffie and George and,
2: and So they went defense in two different ways, and both of those guys played roles for them in the playoffs, and then obviously some day two, some day three picks as well. Where do you think from a roster-building philosophy, roster philosophy perspective do the Bills need to be at going into this draft knowing maybe some holes that still need to be filled on offense, maybe even on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, and the offensive line's a good one. Look, I will say this, though. Everybody focuses on that Super Bowl. It's like 38-35. The Chiefs don't get to that Super Bowl if they don't stop Joe Burrow twice in the fourth quarter in Arrowhead. Mm. And if you go back and look in that game, the main guys who stopped them were their rookies. Like they, and Chris Jones, who is, is the best game right. he's ever played. Everybody needs a Chris Jones. Everybody needs a Chris Jones. Chris Jones is the best game he's played in his career. Um, no, but my point is, you know, they, they lost to Jerry Sneed four plays into that game. And defensively, like, they were starting three rookie corners and a rookie safety that night. And they, they had to just play it out. My, I, I think you still need a defense to win. Because looking at Buffalo, who I think is similar to Kansas City in a lot of ways, Allen's going to elevate that offense. Just is. He's so talented. He's going to elevate what's around him, which is why even if the Bills go in, they're, they're a lighter receiver. They're going to score 30 points most games. You know, I mean, it's why I, I look at Kansas City and everybody's so nuts about they need a receiver. He, he was throwing to Marcus Kemp in the AFC title game and it, it, it didn't matter. Like he was on one leg. I, I firmly believe that if you can get a pass rush and you have a great quarterback who you can protect, you win. I don't care who he's throwing to. By and large, it doesn't matter. Like so, if I'm the Bills, build up the offensive line. Uh, I think defensively, we talked about D tackle. I talked about if they have an edge rusher that they like that they that falls to them, whether first round, second round, go ahead and take him. You you can never have too many. And then you know, I, I look at I look at the rest of the team and I think secondary is good. I, I still like the linebackers. I know Edmonds is gone and and I, I understand that, but I still think they're final linebacker. I think weapons wise, like if they go into the year and it's Diggs and it's Davis and it's Knox and it's Damian Harris in the backfield and it's and it's Cook, like that's better than 95% of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not exactly a bum fest that they're trotting out there. So, I still think if you're Buffalo, I, I'm my whole goal. If I'm the Bills, is I'm getting to your quarterback. I have to figure out a way to get to Mahomes, to get to Burrow, to get to if you want to throw him in there, to get to it, You know, and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers in the division, like. You do that and you protect Allen, you're going to win 13, 14 games.
0: You know, Matt, you just mentioned building up the lines on both sides. So starting with the offensive line, obviously, again, they added guards. They still have Mitch Morse at center. They have Dan Dawkins at left tackle. Right tackle seems like the spot that they need to address. First of all, are there any right tackle options that you think would be a good fit for the Bills in round one? Uh, If not, maybe are there some round two or day two targets for the Bills to look at? And then the pass rush, you know. Uh, we just did a, a mock draft recently, a live mock draft, and there were some pass rushers available when the Bills were on the clock. Who are some names that Bills fans should keep an eye on in, in terms of a pass rusher if if the Bills go that route in round one?
1: So if you're talking about round one pass rushers, we'll start there. Look, I think the only guys you know are going to be off the board for sure are Will Anderson and 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 then you've got Tyree Wilson. Who, those guys are top five picks then you probably are not going to have Nolan Smith unless something really shocking happens out of Georgia. He's probably a top 10 to 12 pick. After that, Lucas Van Ness, I've talked to people in the league who think he's a top 12 guy. I've talked to people in the league who think he's going to go in the second round. Mm. Miles Murphy, some people think he's a top 10 to 12 pick. Other people think he'll be in the latter part of the first round. Uh, Keon White out of Georgia Tech is a guy who some people think is a first round pick, late first round pick. Will McDonald, the fourth out of, I believe, it's Iowa State. I'm having a brain cramp, but I'm pretty sure it's Iowa State. He's another guy. A lot of people look at end of the first round. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have options, in my opinion, down the board. Because the other thing you always have to factor into, we could do all these mock drafts and God knows I'm guilty of it. Everybody is. You don't know. And you could get to draft night and three or four guys go in the 20s that everybody thought were going to go in the 40s. And now all of a sudden you got two, three options in front of you or the Bills could move up. So I'm looking at at, at edge rusher is a very deep position. As far as right tackle goes, I think Dewan Jones out of Ohio State's probably got to watch. I mean, he's somebody who I think you could get late first round, early second. The, the Broderick Joneses of the world, Darnell Wright, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson—those th- guys are going to be gone, I would think, before the Bills are on the clock to get him. You probably have to move up a significant amount. But there are plenty of guys who I think you can look at and go, "Okay, there's there's plenty of options." And for tackles, I think there's really going to be a lot of options, to Day two, even early day three. I talked to one scout at the Combine who told me tackles is his favorite position in this draft. They think it's the deepest position. There, there's just so many. You know, Anton Harrison's another guy out of, out of Oklahoma who's a late first, early second guy. You know, so there's, there's options. There's going to be plenty of options. The question is, who does Buffalo like? Who, who fits the scheme? Who do they think would slide in and, and be a guy who could start right away? Uh, you know, Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. Yeah, you know, fairly local. Another guy. I think he's a day two guy, but second round maybe, a late second. So, Bills going to have their options.
2: You mentioned uh, McDonald, and I'm actually doing a mock, mock exercise at 27. I'm sticking and picking for the Bills. That'll be out later tonight. And McDonald is, I'm writing about it. He's heavily involved. Ryan, uh, have the Bills met with him? Top 30 or was it top 30? Yep. So I like him a lot. And I think that you look at his athletic profile, the traits, the three cone is in like the 97th percentile quickness, bendability, you know, the, the, the way that his game, both parts of the game, the pass rush and the run defense kind of complement each other. I know bills fans are like looking at another potential edge rusher with the pick here and rolling their eyes a little bit, or some of them are at least. But to your point, I feel like you keep throwing darts until you, you find one that hits. And this isn't a guy that's been in a ton of mock drafts in the first round, but one that I think is creeping towards, especially that back half.
1: Yeah, he is. He is. And I think a lot of people are excited about him in league off. you know, league, league rooms, you know, personnel meetings. I think there's a lot of thought that he's a minimum going to be a top 35 pick, you know, top 40 right in there and could certainly get into the first round. He's an interesting guy because he's 240 pounds. You know, he's not that stereotypical 4-3 DN. But in today's NFL, you guys know as well as I do, none of that matters. Like, you play so many sub packages and everything. You're moving guys around. You're not married to it like you once were, where if you were a 4-3 defense, you needed a 270-pound guy setting the edge. I mean, that's just you, – you, you have guys on the roster who can just kick out and do that. Like, that, that the versatility now is taking care of a lot of that. And I just think for the Bills, I, I understand the Bills fan who goes, come on. You know, we, we drafted Rousseau, who's a good player, drafted Boogie Bash and hasn't developed to this point, signed Von Miller to a huge contract. My answer to that is, yeah, but it's still a need at this point. Like it's not the need it once was, but Miller is in his mid 30s coming off a torn ACL. He could come back and be awesome. He could also come back and not be as effective. Rousseau is a guy who I think has 10 to 12 sack potential in him, but right now he's a good player. He's not a great player. Basham, again, has not produced. And so I look at it and say, listen, if you're the Bills, and let's say you love Miles Murphy, okay, and Miles Murphy falls to you, would you rather, if if he's your third edge rusher on your board, would you rather take him or your seventh graded tackle? Like, I would rather have the third highest edge rusher, right? Mm -hmm. Especially knowing, by the way, they're right behind me, a couple of spots back is Kansas City, who might take an edge rusher, right? I want to beat them to the punch. That was a storyline, at least in Kansas City last year, where the Chiefs took McDuffie and the Bills took Elam. And it was like, well, who, who's going to top who? I can tell you right now, a big part of the reason the Chiefs straight up was get ahead of Buffalo. So, I mean, there, there's these, – these two teams, Cincinnati, even Jacksonville starting to creep in that conversation. Like, it's an arms race. You, if, if you know that the other team is going to take that guy and you like him, yeah, you might be like, you know what, let's take him because I don't want to have that guy beat us for the next five to ten years. And again, I'll just say, if you want to win in the AFC, you better have a great quarterback, Buffalo has that, and you better be able to hit the other one. That is, to me, the biggest thing in pro football right now outside of the quarterback itself. And the Bills, that's been one area that it's been, it's been hot and cold for him at times the last couple of years.
0: Matt, one more for you. Uh, you mentioned it early in the show, thank goodness the Rodgers' drama and trade is, is finally over. Yes. Now that he's finally with the Jets, how has this changed how you view the AFC East and the AFC as a whole?
1: They're fine. Like, I think they're going to win like 10 games. I, I, I mean, I look, they still can't block. Now, I know they've got draft picks and they can go get tackles, and that, that's fine. I mean, and look, everybody always assumes oh, I took a guy in the first round, he's gonna be a great player. You don't know that. I mean, they took Beck in a couple of years ago. How's that working out? Like they, they he's been he's talented, he's never on the field. Like it doesn't matter, he's talented. I think the Jets are obviously better. I mean, if you replace Zach Wilson with Aaron Rodgers, you're better. My biggest question with Aaron Rodgers is like, how bought in are you? How much do you care? You're going to be at OTAs? You're going you're to be, be in there in the film room with these young guys at receiver, like Garrett Wilson? You're going to be getting on the same page with them? I still think the Bills are the best team in the division. Like, I think the division's gotten a lot tougher. I'll tell you what, everybody's so focused on Aaron Rodgers. I think the biggest addition in that division was Vic Fangio. Mm. He can coach defense. And if two is healthy, that team's a problem. That is the team nobody's talking about because everybody's so focused on the Jets. Vic Fangio, everywhere he goes, that defense is good. And they add Jalen Ramsey. You know, he had a down year last year by his standards, but he's still Jalen Ramsey. Like if he bounces back even 50%, he's pretty damn good. I think the Bills and the Dolphins are going to fight it out in the division. I think the Jets are a wild card team. And I think they're going to end up on the road to like Kansas City or Cincinnati or Buffalo in the first round. And good luck. I, 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 I think they're better. I think they're enticing, but I don't, I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're a top four team in the conference.
2: Matt Veram does a great job over at Sports Illustrated. You could read his ninth mock draft up over at oh, no. uh, Sports Our Illustrated. Mock. Is it ninth?
1: Our, SI's ninth. Okay. okay. If I had to do nine, I'd call the police. Okay. <laughs> I, I did one that was serious. And then to mock mock drafts, I did one where I traded every single pick in the first round.
2: Okay, because I was going to say, I was reading through this one before we went on today, and I'm I'm trying to follow it, dude. And I am like, wait, who has the pick where? And I'm trying to, like, it it is an exercise. And if you are looking to, like, pass some time, go check this out. I'll put it in the show notes over on the audio platform. It's a fun read. You actually had the Bills taking, interestingly enough, uh, Kalaja Cancy out of pit who I think maybe if you're talking about the Oliver conversation, if you were to flip those two somehow, I think Kansi has a chance to be the pass rusher that they drafted Oliver to be. I and agree. I don't necessarily know if that's like all on Oliver. I think part of it was with the development and what they've asked him to do consistently. That's right. um, but again, we're in the fifth year and it just hasn't materialized. Um, and now you got to make this big decision. I know you got to go dude. great stuff as always. We'll catch up after the draft, man. Thanks so much.
1: Hey, no problem guys. Take care. Thanks, Matt. All right,
2: Matt Verderam, um, he is uh, awesome. I love running into him at the combine every year. Uh, we get to catch up, have a good time, have a couple drinks.
0: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino
2: and Ryan Talbot. So, Ryan, a couple things that we have to get to here before we get out of here, because I'm I'm actually this this last segment two things. Number one, I want to talk about a movie that I just watched. And number two, um, I want to, I want you all to help me talk through this mock draft because I'm, I, this morning I was at Mozzie Smith. I think I've, I've shifted to McDonald after that conversation, I was already kind of considering it. And that is before I knew anything that was Verteram was going to talk about there. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, where the bills go with this position, but I think defense is definitely in play before we get there draft day i finally watched it have you seen this movie before
0: yeah it's pretty cheesy but i enjoyed it so it's very cheesy
2: but this is a guy you're looking at a guy first of all big kevin costner guy like love him like i don't think i've ever seen anything where he was in that i didn't like in some way i could find some redeemable quality and i and i actually like the you know leading up to the draft like the the conversations with the gms and the way that the whole thing played out um i had waited years i mean i've around the draft every year you hear about this movie and people kind of joke about it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. I thought it was like interesting. I was actually listening to who uh, Steve Kime was on with uh, Dan Patrick today. And he was asked about draft day and how realistic it was. And he said, well, funny. One of the narratives from the movie, when Costner finds out about the kids, uh, the teammates not going to the quarterbacks. I don't want to spoil anything, but sorry (laughs) to the, to to the party. um, It's been out long enough. Okay, yeah. If you haven't seen it by now, okay, whatever. But I want to get to how I ended up watching. It. I'll get to it in a second. But he said that scenario, like those kinds of things happen in the draft. And so if you have that happen and you' there's been a time before where he found something out, even as early as the morning of the draft, on a guy, he made one last phone call, got a little bit of intel, and that flipped him off a pick, and it was a pretty high pick. thought it was an interesting conversation. And just the movie in general, around the draft, it was kind of a, a cool watch. I was curious of your thoughts on the movie.
0: Vontae Mack, no matter what, right? Just have that <laughs> scribbled in. Yeah, no, I, I do think there are things where they, they do their due diligence and find out that, oh, this player wasn't liked in the locker room with the, with the birthday party example. And uh, it plays a role in the draft board. It absolutely does. And... I'm sure all day tomorrow, Brandon Bean's going to be working the phones, working the lines. Uh, what do you think and what are you hearing, this, that, and the other? It doesn't mean he's going to move up. It doesn't mean he's going to trade down, but that's something he's always done each and every year. And if there is a player that he falls in love with, and we've seen this happen with him, previous GMs, you know, he might make that splash, he might make that move. And, and in a draft class, it's not viewed as overly strong. I would rather have him get his guy, his, you know, someone with a first round pick if it's feasible, if it's within a reasonable range where you're not, you know, giving up the farm to get that player, by all means do it. So, uh, my wife, Caitlin, says, says she's surprised
2: I didn't give a thesis on why Waterworld was a great movie. I will argue that I love that movie. Now, I haven't seen it in like 16, 17 years. So, that was like 22 year old Matt arguing that that was a good movie. If you ask me to tell you what it's about now, I don't know if I can do that, but I always know that I always stood up for that movie. So sorry. Anyway, how I found or how I like decided to watch uh, the draft day right now was, so I've been on TikTok for a while, like to however long it's been out. Um, it's a very dangerous app, by the way. And shout out to Earl Scott here. Yes. Rest, rest in peace to Chadwick Bozeman. Oh man, did we lose just an absolute superstar way too early, but I want to figure out how to use the app for you know our job, right? Because it it is a very popular app. You're seeing a lot of people on there um, interact every day. It could be a real time suck, which it's it's that's its own problem. But one of the things I've noticed is like clips of draft day have been coming up in my for you page and it'd be just like little small like one minute snippets and like if you sit on a, a on one and watch it long enough then they start showing up more and more so i had like three or four that showed up so i watched about four or five minutes of the movie and i was like finally i was like you know what before the draft this time i'm actually gonna watch it and i was telling my wife it's also i've, I've found a lot of like wwe documentaries like um there's one on stoke in the rocks uh, rivalry, one on mm-hmm. uh, the, the the Montreal screw job, and I, I end up watching like 19 different TikTok videos that end up being like I don't know 30 minutes of a documentary, and it's a really interesting medium in that way. And I think, long story short, I want to start bringing the Shell podcast to TikTok some way somehow. I'm kind of thinking through ways that we're going to do that. We'll probably launch it closer to the draft with some other things. Uh, but it was cool, and I ended up watching Draft Day, and I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, as long as I don't have to do any of those dance moves that trend, I think I could possibly get into that TikTok too. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's always those trends with kids doing different uh, dances that I see, like my nieces and nephews, and I'm like, that's not yep. for me. I'm too old. I'm too have, old, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever watched them record it? Because I think those are oh the yeah videos, yes. where you
2: see them set up the camera and then they're doing it, and they have people like like kind of like choreographing it from off camera. What a mess! Like, yeah, it's it's a crazy world that we live in these days. May 20th, set this date in your calendar because we are going back to wing nuts every single month. They're now the official chicken wing of the shout Buffalo football podcast, which means every month you're going to get a live episode of the podcast in person. You can come out, check out the show, talk bills directly with uh, myself, Ryan in person, and then uh, just eat some great wings, drink some great beers over at froth and, um, just hang out, talk bills. It's going to be a great time. We'll give you all of our draft takes uh, coming out of the, um, the draft on that May 20th show, Ryan, and uh, it'll be right in the middle of OTA. So we'll have a lot to talk about.
0: Tons to talk about. Always a great time. Join us at Wingnuts May 20th.
2: All right. So I'm sitting here with the 27th pick for the bills, uh, mo- running through the mock circumstances and the usual characters are available. Um, You know, the three wide receivers are gone. I think one tight end was off the board in my exercise. And so, you know, I'm really starting to look at the players that they've spent the most time with. And one of the interesting things, I put up a story about it this morning was Josh Downs. And I thought a lot about him at this spot because I think Downs I'm interested in because I think he is a clear cut fit on day one. Like he's going to have a starting role from the jump in the slot. I know a lot of people talk about like there's this, confusion about Khalil Shakir I think a little bit I don't know about you Ryan I don't view Khalil Shakir as a slot only I view Josh Downs that way
0: yeah he can play both in, in terms of uh, Shakir he has the ability to play inside outside he's been working all offseason with Eric Moulds and I'm sure that a lot of the uh, agility drills the workouts things mm-hmm. like that are in mind that you can use him in a variety of ways so no he, he is not slot exclusive where a guy like Downs would be so then I got to the big boys and I started
2: looking at some of these defensive tackles. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting because there's a name that we haven't talked a ton about, but Brian Brisset, uh, the big guy out of, is it Clemson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was blanking there. A lot of, a lot of names, a lot of schools, a lot of players. And the one thing that's pushing him down, I mean, if we go back to the beginning of draft season, Ryan, he was like a you know top 15, top 12, even pick on some people's boards or, 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 big boards. Now he's getting kind of pushed out because of some of the injury concerns. Obviously, Mozzie Smith uh, on a top 30 visit to the bills out of Michigan. You love the athletic traits. You love the potential pass rushing, run stuffing, all the things that he brings to the table. Those are kind of the guys that are in the mix for me. So, I mean, help me uh, along this process. What are your thoughts there? Obviously I mentioned uh, McDonald. I think, I think Van Ness and I mentioned it in one of the mocks that we did recently, if he falls to 27, I think that could be a situation because of his versatility. I know that there's some some ghosts uh, at Iowa on the defensive line with A.J. Epinesa. I still think that they're a little bit higher on him than maybe Bill's Twitter or you know Bill's Mafia in general. But what are your thoughts about that kind of collection as maybe we look at some of the defensive options?
0: Yeah, you know, Van Ness would be a home run pick just based on the fact that a lot of people wouldn't expect him to be there at number 27. Um, I get the the whole Iowa conversation and A.J. Epinesa. Epinesa quietly had six and a half sacks of the last season. Uh, Will McDonald, the fourth, is someone that intrigues me back to back 10 plus sack seasons, uh, 2020, 2021 last year, though, only around five. So when the Bills met with him, I would love to know, you know, they obviously watched a lot of film. Why was his production down? He played in 12 games last season, I believe. So it wasn't an injury related uh, type of issue. So what what caused that dip in production? But you saw in back to back years where he was setting himself up to be a, a clear cut first round pick but then it dipped a little bit. And, you know, we've talked about, this This is a variety of reasons why that might happen. Uh, The players next to him aren't in strong and and offensive lines are focused in or zeroed in on McDonald. And whatever the reason is, he did fall off a little bit last year, but he's another guy that if the bills go that route, I get it. Von Miller is going to miss some time. Uh, We like what we've seen from Russo through the first two years. He's improved up had a quiet year, you had a nice piece on Boogie Basham uh, within the last month and Basham knows this is a make or break year, but, you would you want to go out there and take your swings until you find a guy that can be a consistent pass rusher. Because as our previous guest Matt said, you want to have an elite quarterback and a really good pass rush to win in this league. Or you need both of those things. And I'm not sure the Bills have that elite pass rush, uh, even with a help, healthy Von Miller. They look good at times last year. There's no doubt about that. But you're also talking, depending on a guy that's closer to the end of his career than beginning.
2: So I want to read this from Dane Brugler. And if you haven't read the beast yet, I highly recommend getting over the athletic it's worth. And even if you're going to sign up for a month of it, just to go through this draft guy before tomorrow's draft, it's worth it. Um, and they're not even paying me to say that. So that just shows how good this thing is on his um, evaluation of will uh, McDonald, the fourth, I want to read uh, an excerpt from it. He has him as his eighth edge rusher, uh, a definitive second round, Great. So this would be probably a little bit early, but as we've heard from Brandon Bean, when we've been, had a chance to talk to him, you might be in a position where you have to, you know, I don't want to say reach a little bit, but be a little bit more comfortable taking somebody if you have to stay there and, and pick this guy. And this is what I like about McDonald. So he owns a stretched out athletic frame with impressive length, twitchy mover and quickly gains ground because of his get off and long striding acceleration. Rushes with natural bend and ankle joint flexibility, uses his lateral agility to shake blockers and stay detached. So, just from that, Ryan, I feel like he's a different flavor than the guys that they've used draft picks on the last three times, like on day one and day two in Basham, AJ Epinesa, and Greg Rousseau. Even those guys are more of bigger bodied physical, like relying on their strength as opposed to their athleticism. And really, Appanessa and Boogie Basham are great examples of guys that were bigger that they had to ask to get to trim down, to to be able to play a little bit more athletic. McDonald is the complete opposite of that. He's going to come in day one and in that athletic frame already. And I think if you pair him with Von Miller to be kind of his mentor, I think that that adds value to the player, too, because you're going to be learning. If the Bills draft him, he probably goes out in June to Vegas to Miller's draft rush summit. Then he comes back and gets to spend the entire summer with him. I think that there's real value to not only thinking about long term about replacing Vaughn, but having him while you're waiting, get a first class education from the guy who plays kind of not not that light, but in that lighter range for um, pass rushers.
0: Yeah, you, you know, Epineza, he's always at the top of like the get off times, but he's missing the twitchiness. He's miss, missing some of the athletic traits that I think he needs to become that complete player. Uh, Greg Rousseau, th- there's some athleticism there. There's no doubt about that. The size, though, uh, work, you know, mm-hmm. building up the mass into that frame is going to be big for his career. So, in, in terms of what the Bills currently have there with their younger players, McDonald's is a completely different skill set, different kind of. Uh, flavor of the week, whatever you want to call it, he, he brings something different to this team. And that can be a good thing, especially where some of those qualities are similar to where Von Miller has won in his career.
2: Yeah, and I'd be actually really interested in looking at And He'll turn 24 uh, in June. So he uh, a comment in the face or the, the YouTube feed. makes a lot of sense. He is an older prospect, probably uh, uh, affects the evaluation. And also, you know, there was a significant drop off in production, which you mentioned, 11 and a half sacks, 14 tackles for a loss in 21. Uh, Those those were cut in half the next season. I'd love to actually bring on uh, somebody that's covered Iowa State to talk to them about what maybe led to that, maybe some changes on the defensive line, the defense, maybe losing some players, uh, whatever that ends up being. But I think a lot of, fun options for the bills at defense if they decide to go in that direction. So we're sitting here last last part here and then we're going to close up shop. We're sitting here now 20 what 5 26 hours away from the start of the draft. What are your final thoughts after all of draft season and you know try to put it in one, you, you put out your final mock draft. Where do you think things are headed with everything that's happened leading up to the draft? where things stand, where do you think the Bills will ultimately decide to go in this thing?
0: I think first and foremost, you know, going one night away from the draft, I think that they are going to be in the market to trade down if they can find the right partner, the right picks in mind, Uh, add more top 75, 80, top 100 players to this roster rather than stay at 27 and maybe reach on a guy. But, of course, it takes two to tango in this league. You need someone that wants to come up and jump ahead of some of the teams that are in front of you. Uh, could be for a tight end with the Bengals behind you, which we've talked about with Joe B. Could be for a quarterback if any of them are still there because of that fifth year option, and there it could be a completely different player too. But I, I think trading down with only six picks is something that Brandon Bean's going to want to do. Uh, at 27, in terms of what they need the most, I'm not sure that an inside linebacker makes a lot of sense. I think we've kind of seen their value diminish through the draft process. You see a lot of those guys now in round two, which might be where where they should be in today's day and age um but the the best part of this is i don't think that the bills have to go a certain direction in round one it's going to allow them to truly stick to their board and take the best player available uh which is what brandon bean always does regardless the campbell sanders conversation to me is maybe the
2: most interesting one remaining there's a wide receiver one too that i want to have quickly but Campbell to me, like he checks every single box, right? Like to down to like, you know, all the little details that we've learned over the course of the process. He feels like a Sean McDermott kind of guy, like a guy that Sean McDermott's gonna pound the table for. And if he's there, they're willing to maybe take him a little bit higher. Or Brandon Bean mentioned this last week. Everybody's board's different. Maybe the Bills have a first-round grade on trade on Jack Campbell, and that makes them comfortable taking him in there. I mean, that is really their one obviously obvious glaring hole on the roster right now that they didn't replace. And of course, there's some projection for Bernard and Dotson, and you've brought AJ Klein back. You're you're safe there, I think, if nothing else happens. But I think it's to me, it's going to be interesting because Matt Verderam mentioned, you know, getting after the quarterback. And to me, That makes Drew Sanders even more of an interesting player. And maybe if Sean McDermott's going to evolve his defense a little bit and maybe play it a little bit smaller and use different looks for his linebackers. I mean, there were times like over the course of Tremaine Edmonds' career when they used him as a blitzer whether it be on the edge, up the middle, depending on whatever gap you want to talk about. I thought he looked explosive and that's Sanders kind of specialty as a former edge rusher. So how they view those two players, I think could come in definitely affect the decision because I, I think that's the one position we know of at this point is the most likely to not have started yet by the time they're on the board.
0: Yeah. Ron Rivera has even spoken to the fact that Sean McDermott would would like to get aggressive at times when he was a play caller on the defense side of the ball. And maybe that is the Bills MO this year. And if that is the case, Drew Sanders makes a lot of sense because he gives you that uh, presence off the edge. He's someone that can get after the quarterback, can play that uh, role that Edmonds did though, as well has the athleticism, has the traits, Uh, you know, would still have Matt Milano next to him and he would have to compete. He's not Uh, I think by the end of the year, he's definitely your clear-cut starter. But with all those names that you mentioned, the Bills might start the year and be like, okay, we're going to ease him into the lineup. We're going to give him some snaps, which you and I have talked about. We're not fans of that method, but they do have four or five guys that they've spoken highly of at that position as potential uh, competitors for the starting job. But Sanders makes a lot of sense if the Bills plan on doing something a little bit different this year on the defense side of the ball and being more aggressive. If the Bills trade back out of the first round,
2: what do we do? Do we do a Thursday night round two mock live, Ryan, alternating picks? Is that the way that we go from there if that
0: ends up happening? I would actually love that, yeah, because then you'd have to sit there and say, who are the best players available? Who are two guys that the Bills could get in the second round uh, that would make the most sense for them? And, uh, you know, depending on who picks first in in that scenario, obviously it would open up things for other positions. So if someone went wide receiver with the first, second round pick, maybe you attack linebacker or defensive tackle or one of those other pressing needs. But yeah, if the bills do trade out of the first round, I think that's definitely the route that we go. All right. So I'm going to share the screen here.
2: Um, and I'm going to bring up these six wide receivers. If you could see them, uh, this is from the beast, uh, D- Dane Brugler's uh, draft preview show. And I'm going to, we're going to go through an exercise, Ryan, and I'm going to add a seventh receiver in here at wide receiver and that is deandre hopkins from the arizona cardinals mm. and sitting here right now and i'm not talking about cost where you take a player what the trade would look like i'm talking about monday morning you can add a receiver to the bills roster let's power rank them from one to seven with these six and deandre hopkins and we'll start at seven who is the least likely or least The Bills should be least aggressive at pursuing, and we'll end at the one we think would be the best fit and and the best case scenario on Monday. Let's start at seven. What do you think?
0: Seven, I'd probably go Quentin Johnston. I'm a fan of his game. I like him a lot. He hasn't been tied, though, to the Bills for the most part in this draft process. Uh, A lot of those top 30 visits over the Brandon Bean tenure have meant something to this team. So Johnston would be my number seven. So I'm going to put at six Jalen Hyatt. And I had to think
2: about this for a minute. I was thinking about Josh Downs initially, and I know that Hyatt was in on a top 30 visit, but a lot of the top 30, I think when you have so much at one position, just kind of inferring a little bit, you're probably going to, there's going to be a process of elimination there. There's going to be somebody that really probably rises to uh, the level of we really want them. You, you kind of up them on your board a little bit, maybe some that fall. I just think there's limitations to which how you can use Hyatt. But at the same time, I like the speed and downfield skill set that he brings. So this was a really hard one. I just think Downs, who I would put at five, and I'll let you make that uh, pick if, if it's different. But I like Downs, like I mentioned early, because of the clear cut fit from day one with what he would be.
0: Yeah, and I like Hyatt where you have him placed, He has a limited route tree. That's a big knock on him, but I do like the speed, the separation. Uh, He showed in the SEC that he could be productive against some of the best teams in the nation. Five touchdowns in a game against Alabama uh, will always capture your attention. There's the train. The drafts are coming, baby. The drafts are coming. Yeah, but for number five, I am going to go Josh Downs uh, based on who's remaining on this list like the fit, like him as that uh, pure slot receiver we saw in in Josh Allen's first few years as he kept getting better and better, the importance of a Cole Beasley type presence. And that's what downs can be for this team.
2: At four, I'm going to put Zay Flowers. Um, And if you want to change it, you, you, you can add your two cents. The reason I'm putting Flowers lower than Addison for me is just because I think if we're projecting out to not only what it could look like in 2023, but to 24 and 25 and 26, I think Addison gives you your best chance at a versatile chess piece in terms of what you can do with them. And I don't want to limit flowers too much. I think he can be versatile as well from everything I've read and I've heard, but I just wonder if there's a little bit more you could do with Addison and more people talk about, you know, his ability to affect teams at all three levels. And I go back to the beginning of draft season where, I thought that Addison was, everybody said that he was the top receiver in this draft, even higher than uh, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba. So I'm going to go Flowers uh, and then I'm going to go Addison. Is that your order? or Would you flip them a little bit?
0: No, that is my order. Uh, I love Jose Flowers. I love everything about his game, but I feel like Addison has true wide receiver. Number one potential. I love the route running. I love the separation, the hands, everything about his game. And, There's a reason that after the the end of last year's college football playoffs and going into draft season, he was the number one wide receiver in a lot of people's draft boards. I I get that some people have tested better than him, but I love everything about his game. And uh, he was actually kind of a coin flip to me right now in terms of where I was going to place him in Hopkins. But uh, I really like Addison there at three, Flowers at four, and I kind of just spoiled it, but I'm going to have DeAndre Hopkins at number two. I am too. Um,
2: and I'm, I'm looking up, well, why don't you start? Why do you have Hopkins there? And I'll, I'll chime in.
0: So Hopkins is that classic win now receiver. If the bills are truly going all in, you know, you're going to get, uh, for the next two years, maybe three, uh, you know, he's still gonna be a productive receiver. I know six game suspension last year, but put up gaudy numbers in a bad Arizona offense. Uh, when he did come back, showed that he could still be among the best in the league and, You know, Hopkins sounds like he wants to come to Buffalo. There's another uh, interview released with him today where he talks about loves the Bills organization, loves Josh Allen, loves Stephon Diggs. Uh, I don't think that you'd have to get him on the same page in terms of, listen, we know what you can do. We love your skill set. But there might be games where Stephon Diggs is getting open a lot. Uh, He's not going to be getting as much attention. He's not going to get as many double teams because you're here now and vice versa. So you both have to kind of get... Understand that going into a game by game basis, depending on how teams play, you might not put up those crazy numbers on a weekly basis. But at the end of the day, you might be that player that puts the team over the top in terms of winning a Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think um, Jackson Smith and Jigba for me would be the ultimate fit for what the bills need to add to their offense. And I also feel like his game, if you watch the way that he fit in so well with two other elite receivers, two years ago with Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, I think he comes into this day one situation and, you know, Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, I think it's just a perfect marriage and you could do so many different things. Like go back and watch last season. Stefan Diggs comes off the field quite a bit, and I think you could get really creative with the way that you would use that. I think this is a bit of a pipe dream. I think he's probably going to go earlier than the Bills are able to get up to get him. Uh, On the Hopkins front, though, um, you you look at the Arizona Cardinals in the draft capital, right? Uh, I think they might have had a – they have a comp pick in this draft at 96, Um, so almost like an early fourth-round pick, maybe two fourth-round picks if you want to argue that because they're on the back end of the third. I really like the idea of the Hopkins deal flipping to 34. So the Cardinals come up, you get Hopkins, if you're the bills, and then maybe you get like pick one Oh five in the fourth round and you could come back and add another piece of draft capital on top of D hop. you're taking some of that, you know, the future of that contract there, you're allowing them to get out of that. Um, I've seen some, some trades where it's like the pick swap, the Bills get Hopkins and then give one of their picks away. I would I don't know if I would do that. I think they want to try to use their draft picks. But again, I slot it under Jackson Smith and Jigba just because of what I think he can be and also the cost control nature of having him on a rookie contract where you're gonna pay a 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins and you're gonna have to pay what's even scarier is a 32 year old Deandre Hopkins. If you make this deal, because I think next year will probably be guaranteed. And that is a just roll of the dice, Ryan. We've seen it before in this league. The Julio Jones is the most recent example of it where a team gives up a ton of draft capital and it just does not work out uh, because, you know, the receiver falls off a cliff. You got to be really careful of that. If you're the bills in this scenario. And I'm, and I'd wonder why that's, or I'd wonder if that's why so many teams have maybe cooled on the idea of trading for Hopkins because of, that potential there and then you know maybe not giving up any draft capital and then working things out if the cardinals caught up
0: yeah if you do have to pay him a lot of money that's the the scary part obviously the cap's going to go up significantly next year with the tv deal money but you're already locked into digs and allen and bond miller matt milano uh list goes on and on and oh by the way you also have a uh, 20 plus i think close to 30 plays will be free agents next year you're not going to bring all of them back but uh gabe davis if would still possibly be a priority, but depending on the, the price point at Oliver, it makes it that much more difficult if they do go the the Hopkins round. That's why I add him at number two, where Smith and Jigba, I love everything about his game. Yes, he, he missed a lot of time in uh, some injury concerns there, but when he's been on the field, his stats have just been off the charts. Uh, gets open, great separator, great overall player, and, and someone that you can, like you said, cost con- control contract, but you're also going to Get a productive receiver year one, and someone that's going to get better and better those first three, four, five years. Draft is here, Ryan. We made it. We made it. Can't wait, Matt. Looking forward to tomorrow night. All right, he's Ryan. I'm Matt. We will
2: see you back here tomorrow. No matter what happens with the Bills in the first round, maybe they they trade out and they don't have a first round pick. You'll still get us uh, late night. So stay up with us. We can't wait. Take care, everybody.
1: A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.